Hello, everyone. Welcome back for another week of Growing With My Fellow Growers. I'm your host, Jack Greenstock, joined as always by an amazing panel. I'm going to kick it over first to Spartan Grown. Thanks, Jack. Hello, everybody. I'm Spartan Grown. You can find me on Instagram at Spartan Grown, all one word, no spaces. Or you could shoot me an email at spartangrown at gmail.com with all your cannabis growing questions, and I'll do my best to help you. Happy to have you back. I just clicked on over to the live chat. Seeing uh, Rowdy420 dropping the cheers. Happy to see everybody. And um, next up, we've got Matthew Gates. Hey, everybody. Nice to talk again. Uh, if you don't know me already, I'm a pest management specialist. So you can check me out at zenthanol.com. You can also check me out on social media, like Sync Angel, the screen name for my Instagram and my Twitter accounts as well. Although who knows how long that is going to be around for. You never know. I guess there's been a lot of talk about different social medias and things as of late with the whole Clubhouse redrop. I'm not on there. Won't be, but we could get into that a little bit later. The American one, you're up next. Still muted over there. Yeah, my mute button was stuck. Uh, hello, Jack, panel, everybody in chat. I'm the American one. Always good to be here. I'm glad uh, we got another week together and um, yeah, looking forward to it. Just an update for any of the listeners who are with us now. I just clicked over to live chat on my phone. I've got the computer up. If you want to ask questions, you can go ahead and tag me at Jack Greenstock on YouTube, or also you could tag at Cheap Home Grow. At Cheap Home Grow is the best way because it shows up my computer, and then I can copy and paste it into our Zoom chat. And if we don't get to it right away, uh, try to do your best to hang around because we might get to it later, and then I'll probably reference you. And if you're in the chat, you give us more feedback and get your question answered more thoroughly. So if you do ask a question and you have the time to stick around, we will probably get to it. Um, this is the four of us for Matthew, uh, Jack, if, if you don't have anything to start with, not yet. Yeah. Let's, let's get it, get it going. Matthew. (laughs) So my buddy GML, he likes to get started his every, like he likes to just start everything when he gets frustrated and can't find the thing that he wants and he just starts that company. So he's looking to, or he is starting to get into the bug, uh, the beneficial bug thing. And he told me that he's now sat down with five major companies and each one is telling him the same thing about the pirate bug, the Oiris or Osiris, whatever it is, the uh, pirate bug, and that it's really only beneficial to use it in vegetative phase because, phase because in the flower phase, it doesn't get enough light to make it effective in some way. I don't know uh, what exactly that causes. I don't know if that means it's not going to like establish a population and like lay eggs. Or if that means something more that, but do you know anything about that? Like the light cycle that affects those bugs specifically? It sounds like they're talking about possibly diapause. Diapause, okay. Yeah, so that's when the season changes, the sunlight changes, just like plants, right? Photoperiodicity. So that sort of, it, it signals to them, you know, they have a physiological reaction to it, like their own kind of circadian rhythm. And so what, what happens, the problem with that the potential problem with that is just that it'll make them go dormant. So if you have, if you have the wrong light um, schedule, which, uh, you know, and I'm not sure which one it is off the top of my head for this particular case, but one of the two ones for cannabis, right. is going to be, it's going to have that effect. Uh, probably the flowering stage. If I imagine. So. Yeah. So I, thought that that could was, I thought it was interesting because I know that there's companies, big companies selling 
selling those bugs and recommending them in flower stage and, and i think it's like they're just i don't know if it's something yeah. they're mislooking or if it's like intentional but that's fucked up <laughs> so yeah i mean <laughs> yeah i feel like you know um i think the best way to respond to that is that in my experience especially a lot of the big name companies that i've talked to they actually tend to hold it down really well uh probably thought I was going to go the different direction with that tone of voice, but actually, in my case, in my in my experience, I feel like a lot of them do crackerjack job. The problem is that um, you know it's just at scale, and so even if you have like one percent mistakes or whatever, that still totals to like you know x many like bugs that don't get delivered or they're late or maybe the um, you know there's something wrong, something happens in the the rearing process or the packaging process that goes, you know, untoward or whatever. But or a miscommunication like, in this case. Or it miscommunication. Like it, was, it, it could have yeah. been a miscommunication or misunderstanding. Like maybe they didn't understand that these people are going to be growing under a certain lighting cycle that would put them into a dormant state. Or maybe they feel like theirs and their experience haven't gone to that place. And, and maybe in certain environments, other things were triggering dormancy or... Um, Maybe they just, yeah, hadn't worked with somebody who is flowering under a different light cycle than maybe they. But I will say this: the point, the point that I was get leading up to with that sort of long monologue. I apologize, but um, the re the reason why I was leading up to that point was that basically um, there is a pressure for all of them, despite all the nice things I just said. There is a pressure to sell, of course, and there's a pressure to, you know, so maybe even the detriment that we're talking about you know, it could be that it takes some time for that diapositing to like lock in, right? So you could still get some level of effect before the sort of torpor inducing change occurred. And so, and that's the, that's the minutia, right? That's the like, you know, insect physiology thing that people might not always have or be able to appreciate even the salespeople. Although a lot of them are pretty well trained in my, in my opinion, there's always those little details that, um, you know, for example, I don't want to go on too long, but I worked with somebody who was, um, they were still operating under an idea that like there were two different spider mite species, Cinnaburinus and Urtiki, which most people know is the two spot spider mite. Um, and so they were, they were still using advertisements. They're still explaining as if they were two different things when in fact they're not. And, and um, then they were also suggesting two different products. And so in that case, that's pretty, you know, <laughs> people overpay for something they don't need to so i don't like when that happens and that's kind of what i feel like with this situation is like there's i know at mid we'd order them several times and put them in a flower room it's like that was a waste of money i mean sure they might have done something for the first couple of days but if they're going to flip in the diapods that was a huge waste of money yeah exactly or like the number or the plenty of times where um you know, somebody is applying a specialist when they are generalist when they need a specialist or vice versa, and the specialist won't even go after what they're attacking. That oftentimes happens with the the um, the uh, the distributors, secondhand distributors, the tertiary distributors. So if you go over to an insectary, I thought you were also going to throw me a question about uh, raising them potentially too, because that's the other that's the other big question people ask me when they say. You know, I've talked to like four or five different like insectaries or companies or people who grow bugs. Like, can I grow my own bugs? And uh, that would be a harrowing process. We've talked about that already on the show. Yeah. 
I do so have a, while we while we have a moment, I just want to pass it over to Dr. MJ, oh, who yeah. just arrived, and give him a chance to introduce himself. Hey guys, I am Dr. MJ Coco uh, from CocoForCannabis.com. I am coming hot out of another show, so I'm a little bit sort of disoriented and like, but I'm here, so carry on. Happy to be well, here. I wanted to just give you the update because last week I mentioned we were going to kind of talk about science, but I didn't get an article to you guys early enough. And it so happens that this week we kind of have people showing up a little bit later and some people showing up for only half the show and things like that. So I figured instead of getting into science this week, wait till next week when we have the full panel and I could get something to you guys a little bit with uh, more time to review it before we go live. So Sounds good. that said, tonight we're doing a little chat Q&A. We haven't actually gotten any uh, grow related questions yet, but Dog Doctor started us off with a more casual one that says, how are you feeling today? Which is a more general <laughs> one, just kind of an update, but uh, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, clear minded. Things are going well with uh, work and life and uh, I don't know, happy, healthy and uh, things are going well. Thanksgiving's coming up and got some good plans and have a little bit of time off for that. So looking forward to that as well. Uh, thankful for health and my family and things like that. Uh, cannabis plant, obviously. But uh, Doc, since you just got here, I guess, uh, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling good. I was out of town. I went to MJ BizCon in Las Vegas and just drove back on Friday night. And yesterday I was feeling sort of a little bit, I didn't know how I was feeling yesterday. I started getting worried I might have gotten sick. So I was kind of like a little bit nervous yesterday when I was coming down with something. But today I feel great. So I'm like, okay, I was just like tired from like the experience. And my sinuses are probably a little bit dried out from being in the desert and then coming back to sort of a more humid place. Um, so I'm feeling good in, in terms of all of that. And yeah, this is my, my third show today. So it's been a, a fun sort of uh, day of, of media exposure, podcast exposure. It's always good to interact with all the different communities. And uh, there's really lots of great people out there. And these types of shows can touch a lot more people than a lot of the stuff that we would do like in person or even like local events or even like MJ BizCon in some cases, you know, like you're only going to see an interface with so many people there, but on three shows in one day, you can interact with hundreds or thousands of people at a time. So yeah, really, uh, exactly. Cool to have that availability. Exactly. So we're happy to have you back and I'm happy you made it uh, home safely and uh, you are feeling healthy. I know that going from those two environments, I've done it myself. It can be a little bit of a shock on the body for more reasons than one. And uh, BizCon is kind of a busy, busy event. Yeah, and, uh, it's like a big crowded indoor space that you're there with like, you know, thousands of people. So if there's ever going to be like a, you know, super spreader type event, that's going to be it. And then when you feel a little bit sort of sideways coming out of an event like that, yeah, you kind of think about it. But I'm definitely fine today. So good. Yeah, after a few weeks ago, I went to a sideways concert. They opened up for uh, Revolution and Modest Yahoo. It was actually like a American Weed Co. event. But it was like one of the first events that I've gone to since like the whole pandemic and everything. And there's a lot of people in like a indoor area and I smoked a lot of joints and uh, was handing them off to people that I was around. So um, I was a little bit surprised, but uh, came home and I was fine and healthy. And so I'm going to kick it next to uh, the American one. How are you doing over there, Tao? How are you feeling today? I'm all good. Uh, starting to get colder where I'm at, which is good and bad. And uh, but yeah, overall. Everything was pretty good. How about you, Jack? Oh, we already went through you? Yeah, I think I already said mine, but uh, yeah, yeah. Spartan, how are you doing over there in Michigan? Cold as fuck in Michigan, but as long as you stay inside, you're all right. But yeah, yeah we, 
fucked in Michigan. It's great for growing, but I've, I've been seeing videos yes. from uh, Instagram and stuff like Buffalo got dumped on Ohio, Michigan. Uh, one of the, the one I saw in Michigan, there was a school bus and they were stuck and they had the kids in the back, like rocking back and forth, trying to get the bus to go. And uh, it was just a sad state of affairs. You know, I, I hated that. We, we got snow days when I was in Ohio and it was uh, bad enough, but sometimes they try and make it work and it just uh, doesn't necessarily work out. But the other than snow cold, is how- annoying, but I didn't get dumped on too much snow, but it's the cold, man. The high was 21 degrees. And it's like, Ooh, it was 75 here today. Yeah, like 32 would be freezing, and we're at 21's the fucking high. That's what we have to look forward to. <laughs> I put on a sweatshirt this morning because it was 56. I was like, oh, it's gonna be a little chilly. I'm gonna put on a sweatshirt so I can warm up in the morning and like oh, I'll, I'll take it off by the midday in the 60s, and then by the time it's 70s, I'll be wearing like a t-shirt. But uh yeah. Nope definitely one I'm of the big reasons i moved temperatures. here i want 80s 70, <laughs> you know, 70s, <laughs> 80s i'm used to the grow room it finally speaking got cold that, here too for sure oh keep going no just one last thing speaking of that we finished the bedroom in the build over at big big pones build so the bedroom is done i put that up on my story and then uh so we got a bedroom and a flower room done so we can sneak plants in there pretty soon we just need hvac and electricity for lights but we'll be sneaking plants in there while we're still building out because fuck that's all we need is a veg in a flower room is there any actual sneaking or like is this all above board or is this going oh maybe? it's uh it's gonna yeah be please express grow. your crimes yeah it's a, <laughs> it's a caregiver grow, <laughs> Talking so, to yeah. the mic. so it'll be fine it's all it's all on the up and up it'll be just, uh, two two flower rooms uh four lights in each flower room It'll be it's a, funny to think about having to sneak around anymore with, uh, you know, we've got a lot more uh, legalities and protections. So hopefully we can do things. Uh, if you're an outdoor girl, that's you still got to sneak no matter how legal it is because people want to steal your shit. Yeah, that's true. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kate Armstrong dropped a great question uh, specific for the American one. She says uh, they were wondering, what do you call the male for Amy Aces, which would be a male cheesequake, I'm assuming. Yeah, it's just a male cheesequake. I don't have a name for him exactly. <laughs> but um, yeah, he's the male. He's the father of uh, Amy. And the mother is just um, uh, my buddy found a, a seed in a, in a bag. And when we grew it out, it was killer. So I took cuts off of it and kept it. And I don't know what the lineage is on that. But yeah, it's definitely uh, a resiny one. That's why the RB resin bomb is the... Yeah, that's the little indication. That's a good name. You've held that for a long time, right? You said like 10 years or something? Now it's about 10, yeah. Actually, I can find out exactly if I go back in my pictures. That's the good thing about taking pictures and stuff. It has that date on it, which is great for stoners, at least this one. (laughs) I love that. I make little albums of like grows. So I like just tag the strain and then I'll sort all of them together and put it into a little section so i can go through there and see like here's when it was a seedling here's when it was in veg here's when it was in flower and all the way through like the finished bud and it's a nice little catalog and when you swipe up on the phone it will say like the date and time that the photo was taken so it is uh interesting to look back through the years of all the different strains and things you've grown but uh matthew we didn't get to you on the how are you feeling today and then we'll get to our uh first kind of grow question that's uh, not tower related yeah, on that previous note, though, you know, got to be careful with your EXIF data. And if you guys post in your pictures online and you do have to worry about that kind of thing, you know, sanitize that metadata if you can before you upload it. A lot of places do it. Uh, 
on purpose, and, uh, but you know, not all of them do. So be careful, guys. Be careful. Yeah. If you keep location services off on your phone or iPad or whatever, does it still, it still has that data somehow, doesn't it? Or is it not? Yeah. I mean, there's different kinds of data in that way, but um, I am not the cybersecurity expert that I could be and answer that question more eloquently. But right, I do but know I, that. Oh. I would definitely say, keep that location services off if you don't want the location of that picture known to other people right yeah, at least do yeah. that well, at least especially, especially people get caught up different most people are taking these things on their phones now so there there are settings on most phones that you can prevent them from geotagging your your images and the exit data yeah. um just as like a standard for all photos you go in and you make that your setting and then all your photos from that point forward will not have it but um in terms of like what the American one was talking about, or even uh, Matthew with kind of the security and social media. One of the things that I see people doing that I think is kind of the most um, risk to their security is when they go on Instagram live and they're driving around, even if they're not by like, oh, their yeah. house, like in their neighborhoods and stuff, like showing off anything around where you live, you're giving people a very real live insight to where you are. And um, unfortunately, like a lot of bad has actually come from that. So just, I would recommend against sharing your location. Um, in a live fashion or even just generally like when people post the little uh descriptions above the photos where it says like you know kalamazoo michigan or wherever um if you're at an event like that's one thing i guess I i'm personally like for posting after you're back home and everything because you're like hey i'm not at an event people are gonna be like i know where they live and i've been to their house before maybe they can go and check out your grow while you're out of that event so certain things to be cautious of and even like saying oh i'm gonna go on vacation you know it's like uh good to uh just generally think of who and where you're posting those things to because uh, not everybody on social media is, has good intentions. So I guess uh, as long as you haven't like doxed yourself, but certain uh, people will try and find out our locations. Unfortunately, it's part of being like uh, not like a huge public figure, but as soon as you start interacting with the public space online, you become a public figure sort of in so some manner, I guess. And uh people really like cannabis, really like good cannabis. So a certain percentage of people are going to be out there looking to try and find who has it and where they're at. So it's, a, uh, I think, important to keep a little bit of anonymity as uh, many of us probably don't use the uh, full names or give out uh, locations and things like that. It's a good just reminder and practice, I think. But on a non-security related thing, we have a grow question from Hacky Home Grower who says- That's okay, Jack. I'm feeling great. I'm oh, doing yeah, well. Sorry. <laughs> everything's okay um i got sidetracked that's okay no it's a it's a i would much rather you talk about something important like that i think it's way more valuable to the audience than hearing about how i'm doing but i am doing okay and i will also say that um you know just as a reminder like if you have questions if you need things if you're interested in, in really preventing things in your grow whether you're a home grower or otherwise you know please check out my uh my website but also my youtube channel uh for for people i don't know i turned to an advertisement but but truly you know i've i've um i'm working on that botrytis presentation that i'm going to be uh giving hopefully in a week or two and i'm pretty excited to uh sort of be producing a little bit more content um and a lot more uh sort of writing engagements too which is nice you know it's nice to be able to do more um creative writing even though some of it is a little bit more informational uh being able to like continually kind of sharpen or hone those 
um, those capabilities is something that I take a lot of pride in. I just find it very fulfilling to be a wordsmith. So that's how I'm doing. So now to the question. I'm very, I was very uh, interested in how you were doing, Matthew, and I care very much about your well-being. As was the dog doctor, dog doctor, who's a regular (laughs) member, guest of the panel, but a great guy. He he was the one who asked. So, you know, I figure it's good to do a little bit of a (laughs) general update because if we keep it too serious all the time, then sometimes, uh, I don't know, people like to buy into the people behind who's giving the information. Right. So it's good. I like to be authentic when it's safe. I agree. And before we get to dive into the question, my first picture I found was the December 2nd, 2013 of the mother of Amy. So almost 10 years, not quite nine years coming up. Yeah, going on a decade. That's pretty impressive. Um, I just saw Skunk VA posted. They still are running the uh, Chem 91 from 1991. That was essentially from uh, Mass G. I think he goes by Greg. I'm pretty sure he's said his name and stuff now. But uh, yeah. It's really cool to see like that. I still love that smoke. Chem 91, people around here still grow it. It's still fire. Um, not the greatest yielder, but very, very potent. Hacky Home Grower drops the question, says, at Cheap Home Grow, for an indoor cannabis grow, how late into flower is it okay to use BT, Bacillus thuringiensis? And I'll pass that to Matthew. Can you repeat that again? How late into or is it okay to use bt bacillus thuringiensis probably mispronouncing the second part man it's so unfortunate that the most important word in that sentence came in garbled again one more time three times the charm oh it's in my connection probably um it's in the zoom chat. flower how long in flower yeah how long in flower not very long ideally um you know like well, like with a lot of things with pesticides and cannabis, like, you know, uh, a recommendation from a respected entomologist that I respect a lot, um, uh, Whitney Crenshaw, um, has suggested using uh, BT products, a few different BT products uh, for like budworm moth, for example. And, you know, for them, they could apply, uh, if I'm remembering the research correctly, they're talking about applying it multiple times into flower, maybe past even th- week three or four. But, you know, that's because the budworm moth, you know, um, becomes an issue even into the late harvest. So, like, if you don't have any defenses at all, it can be pretty staggeringly damaging. But for me, I'm very reticent to apply things into flower in general. Um, sometimes that's like the the hard choice that you have to make, though, as a cultivator, especially if you need it for medicinal reasons and things like that, do what I expected to give you negative health out- outcomes. I wouldn't, but at the same time, you know, uh, there are different BT products out there and they're not all made the same. They don't have all the same formula. They don't have all the same additives and inner ingredients and things like that. I'm not trying to like scare anyone or anything like that when I say this. Um, but there are certain cases where like, I don't know, you work, you work enough times in this space and you come across situations where even a trusted product that you've used for a long time, the formula changes and they don't tell anyone or something gets into something, a contaminant perhaps. Um, you know, you have no idea that that has happened. And uh, I don't know, it has caused me to be a lot more cautious about where I throw my endorsements and things like that. Just like with the, uh, 
biocontrol companies we talked about earlier. Would you say three weeks into flower is like a pretty safe cutoff? I hear a lot of people stop spraying usually when the bud starts to set, start seeing the pistols shooting and flower. Like, not yeah, like that's kind of heavier. that's kind of how I feel like comfortable about it. Like, if it's very if the flower growth is very very minimal, you know, I think it's okay if you're just starting out. But like at the same time, that's also like one of the less vulnerable times. It's way more vulnerable, you know, when things are getting chunky. Yeah, is there any? efficacy to like it takes x amount of time for the fungus to even be effective so if you put it in at the end it's not going to have enough time anyway to be effective is that a factor or no that's yeah, a bacteria like, isn't it though it is bt is a bacteria but it's true for other biopesticides where like right. um, they rely on a microbe and a lot of times it relies on the microbe being eaten or somehow ingesting being ingested or getting some other some other way uh, penetrating into the body but usually it's through an oral route and that means that you necessarily have to wait until there's some level of damage you know yeah uh, I don't, and, and, yeah. You, and you want to be doing it earlier because like also with budworm moth larvae and other other sort of um caterpillars and things like this uh what people don't realize is that the larger they are the more resistant they are to the to the microbe a lot of times. So the chances of efficacy are way closer to like 100% when they're very small, right out, right after like hatching. Um, and you also got to catch them before they burrow into the flower, but that's specific to the budworm. And they probably, they probably, the bacteria or fungus will stay alive for a while, persist for, for a bit, right? Most likely. Or yeah, but for some, but for, but that's actually a very salient point because I think right. that it's hard even for me to really know how, what's the residual time, you know, what is the resident time? Cause like there are various microbes that kind of like their whole life is spent kind of at this, like, if you really want to be honest, kind of not very hospitable s surface of the leaves and other uh, sort of foliar structures, even the flower. And but doesn't like, it depend on the humidity and the heat in the environment that the plant is in? To yeah, sustain? and solar. I would I would include solar radiation to that one as well, just like yeah, in yeah. nature. You know, like Brandon, for example, reapplies um, Bavaria bassiana every four days up to a point, and he feels like that's as long as it's going to sustain in his garden, or that's when he feels comfortable to reapply it based on his regime and things like that. But I would imagine, uh, and, and it could be very different. I'm, I'm not sure. Is there any known data on like half-lives of BT or like how long it typically stays around? It's a, it's a, so in a way, yeah. Um, basically because they're living organisms, they kind of, this can be very, very different. And also for some of the, like Bouveria, for example, it can, in some cases it can enter into the tissue and live inside the plant to some degree as an endophyte and even have some beneficial effects like priming the immune system or even potentially like getting eaten up with the plant tissue and then infecting the, the herbivore. In some cases, this has been recorded in other plants. Um, similarly here, I feel like, you know, if it gets into a nice microclimate and if, whether it's a bacteria or a fungus, and of course that's very, there are many kinds of bacteria and fungi, but um, if they have a nice little microclimate, I think that's going to help them out. And if they are able to somehow reside inside the tissues instead of on the surface, all the more better, at least for some things. But for, for like direct 
insecticidal effect, you know, it's kind of like your own body, like, you know, it's the disease triangle, but instead of for plants, it's for pests. Um, if you have more spores on contact or more whatever the infective propagule is, you know, getting on or in the target, however that happens, it's going to be superior. It's going to be much more likely to be successful. Um, and, you know, on that note, reapplication can be very expensive. So there's reasons why people would find that reticent. I think that Brandon's approach is probably really good for his context. And also, I would say that if, if like money or resources weren't the issue, you know, I think that that would be a really great reapplication rate. But it's also um, admittedly kind of laborious, it sounds like, especially as the scale increases. Um, yeah, so that's kind of my hot take on that. I just think it's more to ensure consistency because at his scale, like if you start to slack and... Uh... Yeah, exactly. No, absolutely. And if you're relying on it heavily, then you can't just treat it like a good luck charm. You have to actually apply it at a, at a level and a rate that is likely to actually have... Um, demonstrably effect. good effect yeah exactly which is why that's so important and probably at a really high rate or at least not a high rate but like a um a substantial rate i should say yeah i mean um, he owns yeah. a company that sells it so i'm pretty, exactly. sure pretty good uh prices on it as far as like wholesale goes but uh moving on from that because i think we did a pretty good job addressing that question we got a lot more in the chat smart poker dropped a good question they said should i be pre-adjusting my tap water pH down before adding potassium silicate if starting at 7.5 pH tap for solubility. And uh, I see Doc shaking his head. I'm going to pass it to you so you can answer that for all the podcast listeners. Um, yeah, I would pre-adjust down. I, I I do when I'm starting water like that. You know, the sort of the trick with silica is usually will raise the pH, but it's not very soluble if the pH gets too high. So it's it, yeah, that's why you adjust down a little bit, especially if you know what you're doing. Um, it can be a little bit hard to know how much to pre-adjust if you've never mixed with that water before. But if you have an idea of how much you'd end up adding later, you know, I'd add most of that at the beginning. Anybody else have any other thoughts on that one? Man, I just put the water in, add the silica, add the fucking base nutrients, add my fluff, adjust the pH at the end. I just never trust adding shit beforehand. <laughs> I just never do. I just want to adjust the pH at the end and make sure it's right where I want it. But that's there's no other reason that I'm hard-headed. Yeah, you can certainly still test the pH at the end. And if it needs further adjustment, you, you can fine-tune the pH there at the end. But um if you know what it now you don't also want to make the water too acidic before you start adding nutrients so you don't want to, to drive the the ph down too far but i don't think that that's going to happen with these scenarios that we're discussing when i was uh in cocoa i was using like a ph perfect line where it's a little bit more expensive but everything you just never checked literally 30 times and every single time it was right where i wanted it so I was like, damn, this is it. Whatever they're doing is actually working because mm -hmm. at several different stages of the growth, it always hit perfect right where I was expecting it to. And um, I tested several different ways. So I was pretty happy with that. So it is an option. Uh, people yeah, out the there dose of pH a little bit down, more hands off. In, in my case, the dose of pH down is very consistent. 
Um, and it's usually the first thing that I add. So I add the pH down and then I add the silica. Um, and right now I'm mixing sort of bottled water that I buy in bulk with tap water. So, you know, it's not like totally consistent because there's always a, a somewhat different blend, I suppose. But um, it's consistent enough that I measure the, the pH and occasionally now I'll check at the end, but I, I kind of know what it's going to be. It's just for verification. I've seen like memes of people that are like one drop of pH up and it'll be like 7.5 and they're like one drop of pH down, like three. <laughs> like it's like some people like for whatever reason, maybe they're probably actually putting a little bit more, a little less and like maybe they haven't shaken it or like the concentration's a little off. I something. think not shaking it. But, yeah, I've definitely seen that happen <laughs> it's funny though because like i've i've seen at least a dozen people make references to that and once you get it dialed in, water. ro water is the other thing yeah, and when there's right. basically nothing in there the ph swings pretty rapidly yeah yeah so that's that's a Wait, lot harder we to know that with. that's not ro water that he's starting with because something's in there that's driving the ph up already right so in smart poker's case yeah, yeah but in a exactly. lot of these other pe people's cases a lot of people were taught um or told you have to use ro you have to use ro like that was the hydro yeah. way for a long time like you got if you use are RO. using ro i would definitely ph at the end like um you know spartan, spartan said yeah jesus <laughs> my mind just went blank on me like spartan said i'm looking at his picture on like if you're like, this guy's name i know this guy for like four years um yeah as spartan said because you're you're measuring ph down then in drops usually instead I of in milliliters or like portions of a milliliter i have a question how long like so i haven't been doing this because i'm in you know my organics and i i check my tap water make sure it's been seven pretty consistent so i'm counting it at seven but if someone is adjusting their ph so they put let's say it's at just for argument's sake it's at four they put in two drops of ph up and stir it up how long should they wait for it to adjust is it an immediate or does it take a couple of minutes seconds out you know half an hour what depends on what's in the water and how well dissolved it is already okay but i, I general, mean when we add a bunch of nutrients all at once to the water i mean especially you're using liquid nutrients oftentimes you think like it's already dissolved but it, it, it's it's not really already dissolved and um it's more especially to be honest silica that takes a while sometimes to dissolve in and can continue to judge to sort of alter the the ph as it dissolves so it's more about waiting for that than it is necessarily about waiting for the ph adjustment itself if you have nutrient water that you mixed up a few hours ago and you just come back and ph and adjusting it then you should be able to go pretty quickly after that Sounds good. We've got another question for Spartan Grown. They said, uh, funny question when growing, let's say, an indicanja, I'm not sure what that means, slash super soil. Okay. Can you or can you add your own fertilizer? I have some fish brew hydrolysis late. I don't know if they spelled that right, but I probably definitely mispronounced it. And I would love to use it, but I don't know when. So my first question is, that's okay that you'd love to use it, but do you have a reason to? What's the reason that you feel that you need to? What problem are you addressing that the fish hydrolysate is going to fix? Because, I mean, it brings amino acids. So are you chasing nitrogen deficiency or what's the reason? We don't just dump things down on there with no reason, just willy-nilly. So you have to ask yourself, like, 
does my plant need something? Is, is it unhealthy in some way? Um, I wouldn't just go looking for reasons to, to dump more on the plant. I tend to do the opposite. I tend to try to avoid putting things on or putting less on and seeing if I can get it to get through without it. Um, if it's showing sign for deficiency, especially nitrogen, I would probably reach for the fish hydrolysate and go ahead and use it. But that's the win. That's the win you're looking for. Um, when your plant's a little starved on nitrogen, that's when I would use that product. And yeah, you could use it. You could use it with your soil. Absolutely. And it would still be considered organic. So it wouldn't change anything. And it could be a microbial kick too. Like if you've got some stuff available in the soil, that's not quite, or I should say it's in the soil, but not available to the plant. Some of the fish stuff can maybe help break it down and make it more available. But I, I totally agree with you, Spartan, that the nitrogen is the main thing that you're going to look at there uh, and you get the aminos, which make it pretty available quickly as far as organics are concerned. Cause a lot of stuff takes like maybe a week or two weeks to break down where that might be you watering it in and might be available within hours or days. That was from XX Lord rec XX. If I didn't mention the uh, name for that question, uh, anybody else have thoughts on the whole using fish hydrolysate with uh, your own super soil mix? Tao, I feel like you've definitely used this in your... I use, I, I like it. I've used it and I like it. Um, it's really stinky, but... Um, yeah, it smells awful. There's another hidden like nitrogen sink that is not talked about a lot. And well, at least I don't hear it talked about a lot in um, the like no-till organic soil growing is that when everybody's pushing, there's this big push to go more fungal. We want to have a more fungally dominated compost tea soil, you know, fill in the blank. Which is fine. If you're going to do that and build a lot of fungals, you have to remember sometimes that fungal needs nitrogen to help it break some of the stuff down that it's breaking down. So it can really be a nitrogen sink. So another, like Jack kind of alluded to earlier with, it could be a a feed to the microbes. Absolutely. If um, you're chasing nitrogen because of, uh, you know, that you just, I don't know, inoculated a huge amount of, uh, you know, I can't think off the top of my head what would make a fungal bloom like manure. But, yeah, manure. There you go. Yeah, uh, then you know you could add some nitrogen to try to supplement what you know that the the fungus is going to pull out. You're going to supplement that nitrogen. So either the you don't know who you're feeding, but one of them's going to take it for sure. Yeah, so like wood chips is another one. A lot of people like to do this. Is more outside. Yeah. A lot of people would like to use wood I chips about doing that. as mulching. If you do that, it's going to require a lot of nitrogen once that stuff starts to break down. It might not be the first year, it might not be the second, but third year for sure, you're going to notice some nitrogen issues. I saw some people with yellow ass plants with wood chips. And if they do the finer wood chips, that's like really going to break down quicker than like the thicker, heavier wood chip mulch. Because like he's saying, like it, once it goes in there, it becomes a nitrogen sink. And uh, I, Saw somebody apply it and within a year actually had some super fucking yellow plants. So on top uh, of that, make sure to mix it soil heavy in nitrogen. Uh, go ahead, Matthew. I just sorry, sorry. Uh, I just want to say that um, you know, with the mulches, you know, you gotta be careful what wood chips you're using. Um, you know, it's I always think that this is sort of basic, but not everyone has been exposed to this. Some of these wood chips are gonna be kind of um noxious for your plants too. Like um, and mostly I'm thinking of like uh, you know, pine and a lot of your aromatic softwoods that have like all kinds of, you know, chemicals that are, um, you can get certain products that might not have them potentially, but um, they're kind of suboptimal for that kind of thing. And also on top of that, with the wood chips, especially outdoors, you know, I, I've grown some mushrooms on uh, 
Uh, I've done shiitake on log. Um, I've grown oyster mushrooms and um, uh, king stropharia mushrooms. And it takes a lot of water too. Uh, if you really want to see like the best results, multiple flushes, really strong flushes. Um, at that point, you're kind of growing the mushrooms too at, at a certain point. Um, but that's okay, right? But it does take a lot of water, um, which is all the more like salient when uh, you live in Southern California. Yeah, we don't get yeah. too much depending on the season, <laughs> water wise. I was gonna, I was gonna say with the fish hydrolysate, or or if you have a good, a really good super soil, I mean that's like kind of the definition is you, you just add water. But whenever I add anything, I tend to be really light on it. If it says use a tablespoon, I'll use a teaspoon, you know, and and I'll go like that because basically I'm hoping everything's in there. But um, I wouldn't want to dissuade anyone especially like i would uh back up with uh and ask what's brandon rust because he he would know more about that a lot of those products than i would and he's all organic too so but um the one additive that i know you should never use for cannabis compost is eucalyptus leaves for some reason they say it's actually deadly for them but that's the only thing i heard and i also heard that pine needles everybody thinks oh it's going to do something to the ph but if they're old from what I understood from what I've been reading is like they're pretty it's kind of like the coffee grounds once they're spent they're spent like the pine needles are spent they're uh they're safe but like I I just I try not to bring anything from outside inside but that's like me so the thing I heard about yeah. pine needles is they have to be super dry and people will throw them in like a 55 gallon drum with like a weed whacker because I think even the sharpness of them like makes it so it's not really hospitable for roots. So they have to be like broken up so that they can be a little bit of a softer surface and uh, broken down. It, it's kind of a difficult thing. I would only use pine needles if that was really like all you had available. And I think a lot of people are not in that situation, thankfully. But yeah, I've also, somebody told me that that's a way to bring out pine in your cannabis. And I was like, I don't know. I've also heard very opposite things. And I'd rather just pick a pine strain and grow it in a regular old super soil and uh, have the pine strain stand out with pine terps and not have to do something that's potentially going to mess with the pH and the soil structure and uh, roots and things like that. So it's an interesting thought. And I know that I've seen a lot of talk about it, but We've also got a few more questions from uh, Rowdy420 and Oki Grower. Oh, and what about Bob? Actually, I skipped that one earlier. So we'll go with what about Bob? Because he asked first. Cheers, uh, chat, and he, Cheap Home Grow. Anybody got any opinions on transplanting early in flower? I want to flip to 12-12 as small plants in one-gallon pots, then transplant the females and keep 12-12. So I'm thinking they're not sexed uh and later on actually somebody oaky grower says how long does a seed uh take to show sex usually so i think kind of both of those go a little bit hand in hand but yeah so what about bob it seems like has some regular seeds they want to flip to flower before they know the sex of the plants which i've actually done this and uh you sometimes you get better ratios than other times and you're going to pull out the males when you identify them and then you're going to try and transplant the females that's a little bit risky business in my personal opinion i don't think that the roots are going to love that i think it's going to yeah, stunt them why, quite a bit. he doesn't want to waste the soil or the media on potting up the males buy a sex test farmer freeman or black friday just, 10 bucks or in veg you want to keep them small fucking let them grow up and take a cutting 
off the top to top it to keep your flat canopy. Put that cutting in a little cup of water. Put a little piece of tape, masking tape around that cutting and they'll label it, you know, whatever plant it came off of. This is one, two, three, four, five. And then put that cup of water all together with all those cuttings in it. One, two, three, four, five, tagged on it and put it in your flower room. And then you can separate it that way. When those cuttings start to show you sex, then you can transplant in your bed. What's that? I doubt he has. I mean, I think it's smaller scale than that. I think he's doing this in one place. I don't you think could he's put a cup in a, you could build a yeah. cardboard box. I agree. Put just a 12, 12, just no, a what you're saying incandescent lights. Yeah. Yep. And it doesn't but even yeah. have a root. It's something that, for, for my that part, worth mentioning. Yeah. I think you could do it. The, the, the point is you want to definitely transplant them before the end of the, the bowl you want. I mean, and I guess it depends on how much you're going to pot up. I, w- I wouldn't do a big pot up because you're only going to get a little bit of time to grow into that new pot, basically. Um, and it would really in like the right water. situation in a small scale enough grow where resources were limited enough. I could understand trying to pull that off, but I think you'd be better served potting them all up and then calling the the males. Yeah, I think the yeah. big issue is is you'd have to really guess the, the next pot size just perfectly, or at least guess on the on the too small side, because you want to fill that pot with roots. And if you guess too big and you don't fill that pot with roots, when you water, you're gonna get overloaded, you know, overwatered and anaerobic spots all through that pot, and it's yeah. gonna be. There's really only two options as I see it, as far as common ones go. I would say a three gallon from a one because they're transferring from ones. So I would say they're going to go into three, and that's going to push them depending on the size of the plant already. Um, Because I've I've done as far as soils going, it's like a a super soil if that's what they're. Yeah, I was going to say, what is he using? Because because cocoa is a lot different. You could flower in a one gallon (laughs) cocoa pot easy, no problem. You could stay in the one gallon cocoa pots the whole entire time. But if we're talking about soil, which I've done this, I go from one, I used to grow in pots and three gallons. If you have a relatively small plant is just about enough to get through. They'll probably starve out a bit at the end. Five gallons will get them all the way through pretty much and not be hungry. But if you're doing the transplant thing, what Spartan just mentioned is going to be a problem where like the anaerobicness, the roots, not filling out the entire pot. You're not going to have a good time watering unless like maybe you could try and pull off bottom, bottom watering uh, to help. Well, no, but I had I, a, I had a I had a batch of seed that were um, in one gallons. As soon as they uh, showed sex, I put them into five gallons and put them right into flower. Same day I transplanted, I put them into flower, and they did really well. But it also I'm so they sure showed sex the pre-flower. They showed yes. sex before you flipped yes. them. Before I flipped, yeah, they showed sex before I flipped them and before I put them under twelve and twelve, which is different, but. They definitely weren't hurt, and they seemed like it was like perfect. It seemed with the, um, you know, using up all the nutrients in that five gallon. Like now, I've gone to seven and ten gallons because I want bigger plants. But like, I I think even if you do, like, there is a danger of overwatering. But if you just let them sit there until they 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 need water, you, you could do that. You know, without making it anaerobic, you know, thing. They just don't grow as quick They're in my experience is yeah, a proper size pot and being watered kind of then drying out water and drying out if they're vigorous sativas they'll you know or if they're slower veg what it, it, there's so many factors but it can be well, done it's definitely i mean how about i put it to you this way i don't want to say that you can't do it because i 100 percent think you can do it and get to harvest but let me re- let me rephrase the question a little bit and see what your answer is here if i would say 
if I were to do the transplant right before I flipped, and then I did the same thing with the its brother or its sister right next to it, and transplanted it two weeks into flower, yes. which one do you think is going to have a better outcome? Yeah, you're 100% right, yeah. The one that was transplanted before Trans- flip, or on flip. Right. Yeah. So I'm not yeah. saying it's not possible. Right. I'm but just for saying it's not ideal. Right. You're 100% right. I, I definitely think it depends on the ratio that you're going up to. I think going from a one gallon to a three gallon or from a one gallon to a five gallon is asking Absolutely. the roots to colonize a lot of new material pretty quickly. Um, if you were going from a three gallon to a five gallon, maybe that would be less of a, of a jump. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, I hear you. I mean, I, I think each individual grower has got to figure out what will work for them. I, I do think you can get away with doing this if you decide that this is what you have to do, but I, I don't think it's what you want to do. They're saying they're using bottomless pots. Okay, grower is saying the bottomless pot method to save on soil when sexing plants. And I'm, to be honest, I'm not even really sure what that means. I, I know what a bottomless pot is, and you can oh, set it on like a soil bed. On top of the next pot. Yeah, I guess. But um, like you could transplant them into the next thing, and then I guess if it's a male, then you could just rip it out and then transplant something else in there. But interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and it takes different strains, different amounts of time to show sex. I mean, I've had some where it felt like a lifetime, and they didn't show pre-flowers and veg. So, what's I the earliest? What's the latest? Screen. What a number. Uh, like thirty. Uh, days. I don't know. It's been some go a long ass time. Yeah, I never. That's really... why I've done the method switch to. I don't do it for everyone because I still think I don't know what you think, Tal, for you, or for everyone on the panel. I still think that probably. 80% of the time I pop a seed, I can get a, an idea of the sex before I flip it to flower. Like when I'm ready to flip it. I don't flower. trust I, that I can anymore. tell pretty I, early in, in I've veg. fooled myself too many times no. to think that I know, you know? Yeah. I'll be like, like, like 20% of the time, I'm still taking cuts and stick them in a cup of water and just put them in my flower room. I'm like, I don't but, know. So someone had mentioned once on Hash Church, it was actually Skunk Man Sam who said, you know, you could put um, indicas in, into uh, 12 and 12 for like two or three days and pull them back into veg. And they'll show a pre-flower without getting interrupted of their veg stage. And maybe a couple more days if it's a highly sativa. But well, that's, that might be his thoughts or his feelings, but that's not science. Oh, no. Well, yeah, it, it works. So it I mean, does. the plant, the I've process seen, I've done, I've done this. I've done I mean, this. And it, it can work. I've done it with in yeah, like, like, like three day dark kind of and then back interruption. To... Yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't like to do that, but that's an option. If how about whatever. this? I you just know, sex tested there. my plants and they were in solo cups. I had 10 plants. How much are you willing to risk? Because one time I had two females, one time I've had nine females. So it's like if you're in this situation where you're lucky, you get nine females or whatever out of the 10, then you're good. But if you have two females, then you're going to have to train things a whole lot differently. You're going to have to use your yeah. soil a whole lot differently. You're going to have to use your space a whole lot differently. And so I love that. I know when it's in a solo cup, okay, I've got four females. I picked the two best ones and I transplanted them. Now they're vegging like crazy. They look great. And I didn't have to even, I haven't even topped them yet. They weren't even ready to be topped. They're so early in the process. They were literally still in a solo cup with just a few nodes. Like, right, that's what I was saying, thinking about when Spartan's like, yeah, take a cutting off of it and throw it in water. You need to have a plant that's big enough to take a cutting off of to begin with. So that's some time there. I mean, right. I, so, I would say I never see pre-powers before I flip. 
um like i don't i don't veg long enough to see pre-flowers before i flip so i'm always waiting until you know a few days after the flip to check out my plants now normally i grow feminized seeds too but you know i just grew reg seeds and i had one male um it, it took me a little while to notice it was a male though i was sort of like distracted by a lot of other things but what what do you guys take on um like um there's a theory that it hasn't reached sexual maturity without the pre-flower. Like it's not really ready to grow flowers yet until it shows that pre There's actually flower. been studies that showed, and, and we pulled them up on one of our science things, that some of the smaller plants that didn't show pre-flower that were flipped when they were young actually produced like more cannabinoids and more terpenes and certain ah, plants that were growing. That was the longer. one that I snoozed and missed. I think I missed that episode. Well, the other thing was, uh, actually, never mind. We got so many fucking questions out of uh, anybody I else. Good. I guess skip that. <laughs> skip my nonsense <laughs> not nonsense it's just uh i, I want to make sure that we're right. come up. the people out there i got a question for dr coco because i can see him now what are you drinking man what is that blue <laughs> stuff just water oh it looks blue it's like a weird glass that has oh, like the glass okay in the bottom of it and then this is is throat comfort tea Nice. I'm pretty. I'm pretty. You know, out there on the edge, man. Thumb, thumbs up, man. I like it. What's our next question, Jack? I'm yeah, still shy about day. smoking on this show. I should smoke more. I got. I got this cool. You I should. I'm lonely. Here. I got I this. I actually, it's a gift from Jordan River that when he came to visit me, I was smoking on it. So you should put something in there and smoke it. I'm sick of it's, watching Jack suck on that. You know what over there? It's been an all day, Doctor MJ Coco. I saw him on both those <laughs> it other has shows. Been, it's been a lot of that throat tea. I know that. What were the other two? Smart poker and crispy wannabes Sundazed and hemp with Gigi. Oh, I don't know what the name of the show is though. Yeah, I'd call it the Hempo Gigi. I think it's yeah. just Hempo Gigi. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, Hempo Gigi um, and the Happy Cultivator are doing a big giveaway show today as sort of like recognition for passing their 2K subscriber threshold. So, oh, very um, cool. Very cool. It was Why good not? to see you all around, Doc. Good to yeah, see a bit you. of that. Yeah, it's it's fun. I, I, you know, guys, I enjoy doing podcasts and getting out there and, and engaging with people. Yeah, but don't you win giveaways when you're a part of them? I did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I feel like that's kind the, of your responsibility. Project. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I actually never claimed that. Jesus, that just reminds me. I've never claimed that prize. I probably should. Oh, um, I know. But I, I, I felt I awkward do. about that. I didn't really. I actually entered one of the earlier giveaways that Hempo Gigi was doing today. Had some cool prizes. This like grinder thing that I really liked. So I tried to win that. Very nice. The, the there are some pretty grinder. cool. Yeah, some people have been following me around. Anyways. <laughs> it's addictive, man. You can't do just one show. You got to do them all. <laughs> I had a comment just on the whole idea of growing a plant until it shows sex before flipping. And my first grow in cocoa, this was like a double whammy in the face because I was growing a super stretchy sativa hybrid, which was a Blue Dream uh, replica from Humboldt Seeds. It was femme. But um, I was just getting back into growing at the time and i was you know rereading some of the stuff and one of the articles i read it was so convincing it's like your plant's only going to be good if you veg it for like 60 days in veg so i was like okay i'm going to veg it for two months get a nice healthy plant you know got it to a decent size and i did that and i was only in a 
I say only, but I ended up switching to smaller pots later on. I was in a three gallon pot of cocoa, veg for 60 days. Both plants showed flower, they're femme, but oh they're both God, female, thankfully. Huge. Oh man, they grew straight through the tent, like top of the fucking tent. Like I put up just trellis net after trellis net after trellis net, like, and now just they'd grow through it and then I cut it out and then I put another one up. And I, you know, it was just an absolute disaster. I had too much light. I vegged too long. <laughs> they were getting fed really properly and well in cocoa so they're just growing insanely it yield insanely and it tasted really good but it looked like the most octopus crazy ass just spindly <laughs> plant that was all over the place like it literally filled every centimeter of the grow room and uh jungle grow yeah shocked yeah. that i didn't get like mold because uh, thankfully it was like a haze hybrid but man that was a absolute learning lesson that don't trust everything you read on the internet <laughs> 60 don't days trust not. anything ever uh, not all you no, need but, to veg what i was gonna mention is um if you want to sex if you're doing seeds and want to sex the seeds uh as quickly as possible do not top it until they sex because that's pretty much whether what i found that they usually show it's like the second node down from the tippy top and then when you top it it, it seems like it takes even longer because those side branches were not the uh uh apicable what's the word i'm looking for that they weren't the top. yeah they weren't the top so they didn't have any kind of hormones that would um or that's my thought anyway that would indicate sex like then that switches everything so it takes longer to show sex when you top them is, is what i feel anyway i don't think only if you're done. waiting for pre-vet or for pre-flip right, pre-flower yeah and I don't think you need to. I mean, I top my my do my first topping when the plants are like three weeks old. Um, yeah, you know, and, and right. keep topping that's them. Definitely, that's the way I do. I don't care if it's a boy or girl. If there's three or four, uh, if there's nodes. four good, yeah, good nodes, I'll take the top one so that there's three good nodes, which makes for six branches, two of which I take cuts off. Well, depending on everything, but I I like to keep at least three nodes. So I take two cuts and have four main stalks coming up after that you know what i mean okay I know what you mean. yeah that's a little early, like a tiny bit earlier than i go but yeah it it's works. earlier than i go too it's all different like sometimes the very first or the bottom node is like so weak i don't even count it as a node. i never do little I, things I, yeah. yeah i don't like the the immature node so the first node has only one leaf and i never keep the branches that come off of the one leaf node and the second node only has a, a three you know finger leaf leaflets right and right, i right, never right. take the branches off the three finger leaf nodes either the third node has five finger or above leaves and those are like sort of i consider them to be the first, the first. like mature leaf or node um right. so that's the lowest branches that i take but i usually grow my plants out until they have six and then top back a big top back to the third. big top okay yeah yeah, yeah. I go slightly a little different instead of topping like uh, the plant in half, essentially like you're going from like six down to three, I'll take the top off of the top when I'm at six and then I right. coach the third up. So you kind of get like the crossbar yep. style where you've got the two tops coming off the top and then the bottom two I train to catch up to basically. So you got four um, essentially. Yeah. I call that a cross. Dumb. If you keep both branches from the third node and both branches from the fourth node, you yep. get like a natural cross and you can train yeah. that pretty it just it works so beautifully like yeah. from seed it's so symmetrical and it just gets you really yeah. nice healthy strong branches with not a lot of effort and they can kind of they train in a way that fills out the area and so that's why i like doing it a beautiful too. and simple way 
because then those branches will be thicker quicker I, well at least it seems like to me i could be wrong can you say like that three times you, fast probably not but it feels like when you top them sooner those side branches become more point poignant quicker than if you let it all grow and then take three nodes off the top you know what i'm saying yeah you're doing a really low stress top i'm more worried about the the sort of shock to the roots and the amount of plant material that you're losing when it's only got a few leaves right we're dealing with plants yeah. that after the topping they only have like four leaves that are worth talking about and so you, you want to make sure that you're not sort of stunting the plant by topping it too early um yeah. you're just taking the very top you know no yep. growing material which really isn't very stressful to the plant um yeah. cutting the plant in half is a little bit more stressful but it allows the plant to develop a bigger sort of root mass and survive that sort of shock of of the the topping when it happens uh, very good point yes yeah it's all basically about letting the plant get big and strong before we cut it in half and i do love that yeah the first nodes generally i don't count because they are just such meager little they're like even when it's growing good, there's still really little twigs, you know, the, the first nodes that come out of the uh, seed plant. So yeah. you're right. I usually don't count that. A lot of times that one's like I take off. It's already gone already. Like, so, yeah. Yeah. Point. I, I always clean those those grow tips off early, but I leave the single leaves because they're a good indication of nutrient issues um especially in, in cocoa you're very rare to get all the way through sort of the veg stage with those leaves remaining perfectly healthy they'll they'll indicate something's gone south with your grow so if uh i feel like we did a pretty good job answering that question and oil town oil asks at cheap home grow showed my garden a couple weeks back and was told to kill the runt. It's now taller and more healthy than another one next to it. Um, would love to show the garden update to get opinions. So it is about the one hour point. Maybe I'll share the uh, link with the chat and at least uh, Oil Town Oil, you can jump in and show off your garden. I'll let you in. And uh, that was a good question. And I do remember you from when you came on. So I'm a big fan of the underdogs, man. Everybody likes to throw away their runs. I like to let them hang and see if they come around. Because because like I was saying, that one twin I had, they were twins. And like I said, it was Arnold Schwarzenegger and Dane DeVito. And by the time they were done, you couldn't tell which one was which. So, But it it is, um, yeah, you're doing big numbers. I, I thought they were autos, really too. That was the other thing. They were auto flowers from Who, that my remembrance. But it could, they, they can turn around just like anything else. Ah, oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's another factor. If you got a runt auto, I never, uh, yeah, experienced that. Yeah, if I remember right, it was uh, an auto flower, and that's why we were saying it was better Kill. to start over on that one. I really, because a lot of times that runt ends up being the best smoke, too, it seems like. Yeah, usually the low yielders. The yeah, the lowest shit. yielding one is the one you wish was the biggest yielding one. Like I was thinking that trip around. Yeah, and remember in the beginning when Jack was talking about all the old strains. I was thinking that as soon as he started talking about Chem ninety one, because I grew that and I got rid of it because yeah, it was great, but it didn't fucking yield worth the shit. And, and it's pretty floppy. It wants to snap over it like it doesn't want to support itself either. So it's like 
you know, Gorilla Glue will at least uh, yield crazy. And if it's going to flop over, you're going to get yeah. rewarded for it. Well, that's why it's good to have pollen around. If you. That being said, Chem is Chem 91, just the pure uncrossed version is still some of the most potent, just awesome smoke out there. We got oil talent, oil jumping in. I have a question for the group. Go for it. But how much, you know, I know probably most of the group doesn't work with males all that much, but like, um, you know, just thinking about how I thought pop of my head that predatory mites, some of them anyways, will feed on pollen as an alternative food source. Well, in nature, it's also a food source, but I wonder how much male pollen you can get from just one cannabis plant, you know, typically a a A lot, lot, right? Yeah, quite a bit. You know, so like, but like, I was just wondering, you know, because, and you can keep it in your store quite, a, quite a while, right? So you could, it doesn't store only... well, in my opinion, I think fresh pollen is way fucking better than stored pollen, but that's just my personal opinion. Oh, no, but there's techniques. I mean, yeah, it depends on how you're storing. Like, for example, um, you know, cattail pollen seems kind of robust, but even it, you know, you have to be in a pretty, it has to be a, a pretty cool refrigerator. You don't want to freeze it. Um, I did experiments with velvet punch with fresh pollen versus stored pollen. And like, I did all the proper steps and I just think that there's something about the fresh pollen personally. That's just something I'll throw out there, but the frozen well, not effective, oh, but I meant like as a food source for the mites, it probably doesn't matter as much, but it could, it could very well, there could be micronutrients that are lost. For example, also you don't want it to go rancid. That's the other thing. Pollen goes rancid pretty quickly. I, the pollen that I was use- storing funny enough, ants got to it and ended up eating oh. a bunch of it. So uh, it is a good food source for a certain. Uh, yeah. fucking, it's all that you know, protein, there, man. Insects. Dude, yeah. they were so happy. I'd never seen so many tiny little ants. They made a fucking like multiple colonies in there. Like I was like, God, I have so many fucking ants. I'm like, oh, it's because <laughs> they're being fed really well. And uh, when I found that, I was not happy. So anyways, yeah, also, that's one thing you could do with your males if you want to risk it. You know, you can have a nice food source <laughs> for predatory mice. You know, Arbicose sells, it's called a good meal, good bug meal. And it's just pollen. They sell a bag of pollen that you could just uh, add. You, they say to put it in water and spray it on your plants for to be food for the beneficial bugs that would feed on pollen. But I was just, um, I was even just dry putting it on spots, you know, at one point. But I don't know. Mm, how, yeah. I don't know how effective or if it really is even. That being said, we got Oil Town Oil yes, in the house. I'm going to spotlight Town. his video and make sure you unmute yourself. And uh, it's already turned sideways, it looks like. So we got the full screen for everybody. Cheers, Oil Town Oil. Welcome back. Garden's looking great. Hey, uh, well, I wish I felt great about it. These ones are starting to yellow up in this back corner. But the run in the corner, in this front corner here, she's looking better than the rest right now. It's alive. It's, uh, these are flowering all pretty good. Pretty generic smell, except for this back one. This Sky Stomper has an amazing orange, citrusy, real gassy smell from it. I'm loving it. What's generic? What's generic smell? Yeah, well, the rest of them have, like, I don't know, like the Gorilla Glue Gelato is what I had the first time. And it's all very, like, just kind of very bushy still. The Terps haven't really developed, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, very planty still. But this back one, it's, like, orangey, gassy. Lots of like uh, a little bit of lemon in there too. How old are those plants? Uh, I gotta look up the date. What date was that? Uh, I'm not even sure. Uh, 
I got the date written down, but uh, that's good we, enough. We don't. Yeah, it kind of looks like the the one that we were saying was the run. That kind of looks like it's it's behind the other ones. Like it's going to flower for longer. It's I also think it's going to produce less. Surprisingly, ah. like it, it sprouted up height wise, but like the side branches, the other ones have like four that are all relatively around the same top. Where that one's got like one apical bud, and then like all the lower ones are. Yeah, that bud might be one, that bud might be all bud that connects. Yeah, by the time it's done. <laughs> I'm wondering what to do for these corner ones. Like my schedule right now, like what I'm doing for food is I'm just putting a little bit of worm castings, a little bit of uh gypsum, and then just water with uh calmag. But I'm using like RO water with calmag, and that's really all I'm doing. I'm wondering if I'm just nutrient deficient or Need to just put more castings in or something. Mm. How big is the pot? It looks nitrogen deficient. Um, yeah, that definitely that one. But Calmag should bring. Some I would nitrogen. say three of those plants look pretty nitrogen deficient. That one in the front right looks like it might be less nutrient de- or nitrogen deficient. But the paleness of the leaves on the rest of them. Um, and that, yeah. that that's what it looks like. It looks like underfed nitrogen. Yeah, but the first plant, why is the yellow at the top and not the bottom? Where? The front front left, the one on the left. Yeah, bottom left. I guess there's some yellow at the bottom. That looks pretty generalized. What's your solution for more nitrogen? Well, it gets back to how he's you know providing nitrogen in the first place sounds like what's in your media what are you growing in is it cocoa or is it soil no it's uh soil and it's like some weird canadian mix that has like some black grass a little bit in there but it's like a tex-mex of a little organic from lowe's mycorrhiza the only thing i would give this late is aminos you're not going to want to give any hard raw nitrogen aminos will get taken up in weeks and they're not going to be left around and they'll become available available and maybe help you get a little bit more of a boost but at this point they're gonna fade i mean you're far enough into the flower like the uh-huh. i hate to say it, but like the damage has kind of already sort of been done with the deficiencies that they face if you're going to be able to hit them yeah, with a little bit of heavy, something it'll help them get to the finish line but if you come in heavy, Wait, how old are these plants you're going to stunt the flower uh, look like they still have like five weeks left to go in the yeah flower. there's still time to yeah they're still pretty new they haven't been in flower very long at least yeah um, I think definitely, they definitely passed the bolt. I mean, Talk to me about your water again. You said that, that you put CalMag in the water. Can you just talk to me about that? RO well, I got some of the stuff out here that I'm where kind of a little brightness difference, but uh, we'll see if we can get the hang. Uh, so I, uh, sorry, let's see if I can get this off just for now. That's going to air for your fares on. So right away, I got the RO water and it, I go from RO, I put in the pH just to kind of lower the acid a bit, I got uh, hydrogen peroxide because I go clean. And then I put a little bit of the yucca, just the tiniest bit of that. And then I go with the this guy here, just the cow mag. And I was using this, my last girl, but I haven't put any of this in at all. So. Is there really nitrogen like in that cow mag? So what is the source of your nitrogen? Just the stuff that was amended. Soil, I think. Yeah, that's got nitrogen at two, three percent. Yeah, but it's a time. Not it's sufficient. A, what's the NPK on that? 
So the the three numbers with points between them, like is it one zero zero two zero zero? Three zero zero. Three zero zero. Yeah. Yeah, it's got a little bit of nitrogen in it, but probably not enough. Um, the the hydrogen peroxide. Can we go back to that for a second? What kind of hydrogen peroxide is that, and what's the dose that you're running? Yeah, you, you know what's interesting? I'm glad you mentioned it because this isn't what's in the bottle. I uh, I know someone who works in a lab, and I get 30, percent and I adjust the 30 percent down to around a 15. So this is actually around 15 percent. Okay. So what what dose do you use for that per gallon? Uh, I'm using around, oh, I got a little syringe here. He's like, uh, not too much. Use about a mil. Okay. Just one mil per gallon? No, I'm using about four or five mils per, oh, wow, per gallon? Yeah, that's right, about right. One mil per gallon. Okay. That's probably not going to, I mean, uh, you, you're, you're not going to get away with doing much in terms of organic nutrition. Uh, well, depending on, on things like compost teas and stuff like that, that way. But um, it, it seems like a mishmash of some different kinds of fertilization strategies. And I think that, you know, landing on a, a theory and deciding which way we're going to go with this is going to help. Yeah. yeah, I think next time I'm definitely going to try out cocoa and get like a regimen, get the right bottles and everything. That's. Been I think you can do it. these plants. I think you might want to start introducing that one part nutrient that, that you're using, because I, I, I do think that there's going to be a healthy dose of nitrogen in there. And yeah, I, don't I, I, again. Just don't I just don't like it. It stinks. I think it's too or, old. Or you like, stop I think it's is it organic. Old. So you got to do one or two things. You got to give it some nutrient like that. Or you got to stop using the hydrogen peroxide because the hydrogen right. peroxide is wiping out your microbes, which are trying to get you the nit nitrogen to your plants. That's, yeah. that's, that's what I'm saying. saying. You got to pick. Are you going to do organic? Dose is or pretty small, do... Spartan. The, the hydrogen peroxide dose, I don't think it's really going to kill much in the oh, yeah, soil, at least. It will kill it anything in the water. Helps. It definitely kills things because, man, does it help keep that tank clean? Oh, that's why you keep the tank clean. It yeah. smells terrible and I don't like, I feel like it's the wrong stuff to be using. That is the wrong stuff to be using. I mean, with, with, a new, with automated fertigation and hydrogen peroxide, um, it, it, I, because I, I imagine some of the nitrogen in there is, is being broken down in conjunction yeah. with microbial life that you're kind of nuking with the hydrogen yeah. peroxide. Okay, so you think maybe just reduce the hydrogen peroxide maybe a little or and then add some of that newt. So, so let's, that let's newt talk about how long you're trying to keep this res filled with nutrient solution because like that's probably an issue. And how how warm is the water? Um I actually have a nice chiller that I sprung okay. for and it's helped out a lot. So I the bet. water's actually even too cold right now. Okay, but, don't let it be too cold. But if but you can get a good temperature, temperature so we're you should like the hydrogen peroxide. <laughs> wait, wait so, say that again. We're like negative 17 here outside, not in here. But uh. Right. If you can keep your, your water cool enough, you should be able to go a week between sorry, cleanouts without worrying about running hydrogen peroxide, I would say. Okay, because um, I go... I have, was cleaning it every week, but using the hydrogen peroxide and getting the chiller, I was able to say, hey, you know what, I'm going to do another week and just been doing like two weeks and cleaning it on the second one. Yeah, but using the hydrogen peroxide with mm -hmm. the nutrients that you're using is, is sort of preventing a lot of nutrient uptake mm -hmm. that and is then, leading and to deficiencies see, in the crop. 
And am I honestly supposed to just dump this in that tank and have it just slurring around? No, dude. Top water that with a fucking hand water. Use a gallon little yeah, thing. Mix okay, it up. Don't this run that through your lines. Nasty. Yeah, it's probably going to clog your halos more than anything else. Um, I drilled out all those halos to make sure they're just beautiful. Okay. You See, just want the biofilm in your lines. The biofilm is, is you're, you're, you're doing. Yeah, I had noticed that on my chiller, that biofilm. I'm wondering, do you think I'm going to need more adjustments here? Because I'm only running one valve per side for the two. I'm kind of just kind of leveling them out up and down. But I'm wondering with doing like a higher fertigation setup with cocoa. And again, like my timers are only set for one minute increments. Is that going to be a problem? Yeah. Um, timer, generally we want to have timer that can control in seconds. So, you know, I, I have links them in our product guide, but that, that's one of the challenges is to find a, a timer that can do granularity in seconds. Yeah, with those halos, you want to keep the flow strong enough that like water is coming out of all of the holes um, but not so strong that it's like, you know, making cocoa or soil or peat or whatever fly around the inside of the tent because it's coming out like a little cannon. Yeah, but, it's been a little know, tricky. Fast enough that it comes out of all the holes. My fertigation events sometimes are like 24 seconds long or 26 seconds long or something like that. I, I couldn't go to a minute. It would be more than twice too much water on, on that schedule, at least. So it gives Yo. you a lot more granularity. I want to be afraid to hit them with a like half strength of that nutrient once and then just, just yeah, that, yeah, hand water through the top, like half strength, a quarter don't strength. Don't use the peroxide just right now. I don't think it would hurt. It looks like he's got plenty of time to rinse through and get it out. What is, is there anything? Did I miss it? Is there anything amended into the soil that's providing nitrogen? Because if not, I think you got to go nitrogen pretty much every watering at this point not not just like once and top not feet just once and, and I got, yeah. my battery's low again this phone sucks so if i cut out that's why i want to ask one more question about these red lights that i've put up how effective are they and I, I love using them i love turning them on 30 minutes before and 30 minutes after how much like am i boosts and grow and anything with those like what's the real so size is this for is this 730 nanometers it's the two. It's like a combined of the both. Both of, of them. What do you mean the both? Six sixty and seven thirty. Yeah, they're a combination of the like, two. Okay. Oh, red red just, just red and far red, not like red, yeah. far red and UV. No, just red and far red. Just an Amazon bulb. You can find it quick. It's not that bad. It's a pretty good price. Okay. But I, I just grabbed one. I liked it. Put up a second one just to get feel like to really cover the tent. And but so the, the way you would run that, end. if you want to reduce the SCOTO period, is you'd run it for 15 minutes to half an hour right at lights out. And then Those you can reduce flowers, the SCOTO though. period. Does it count with like auto 13. flowers? Yeah, if they're auto flowers, it's not going to do much for you. This is for, this is, I mean, that thing about running far red during the, the dark period is to reduce the dark period. And it's a trick to give more light to photo period plants. One of the advantages of autoflowers is you can just give more light to autoflowers. So you don't need to. Yeah, do I'm giving these 20 hours of light and they're pretty high. I asked earlier, like, what kind of PPFD should I be hitting for these? Because I feel like I just turned up the light and that may have been what yellowed these plants a little more. No, they're, they're being yellowed by nitrogen. Lack of nitrogen. PPFD, yeah, uh, you know, it's they're not getting enough nitrogen, so I wouldn't push them right now. Um, I, I would probably be down no higher than 600 PPFD right now, just because 
hitting them more. So to that extent, you're right. It, it may be too yep. much light in the combination of not enough nitrogen. So your limiting factor right now is nitrogen and that's what's getting expressed. Turning up the light more when you're already showing a deficiency will just make that deficiency express more. If that makes sense. Yeah, I get that. You want to turn it down either. You want to cure mm. the deficiency, get the plants healthy, and then you can think about turning it up. But PPFD, you know, healthy plants, you never want to see the, the tops above a thousand if you can prevent it. Um, your plants are kind of tall. So, you know, and, and relative to the space that they're filling up. But yeah, you'd want to keep those tops out of the thousands and they should be fine. Real quick so before your battery dies. Should I just do that as well? Go ahead. So you Jack. can move the light up or you could dim it. Either one will work. But before you go, we were talking about your nitrogen issue and you mentioned that you had a soil. I heard something about frass. I heard something about castings. Is there any like compost in there or any other nitrogen input that would be providing any nitrogen source? I can't think of any. I'm just putting the castings, just uh, some like super soil generic with some organic lows. What should I be adding in there for any more well, nitrogen? You're not really giving us specifics. If you could go to the bag and we could look at the ingredients in those soils, we'd, we would know. Uh, you know what? I threw the bag out recently. I, I can uh, see if I can grab some information and post it in the chat of what it was. It's some weird Canadian brand with some black brass in it. Some That was the... I think we lost them. But we do have the dog doctor who joined us while uh, we were talking to Oil Town Oil, whose phone likely died. So I'm going to go to... Uh, I'm going to remove Spotlight. And then I'll go ahead and spotlight probably the dog doctor because he's over here with us. Welcome back, dog doctor. How you doing? What is up, everybody? Glad everybody's feeling okay. Good to see you, nice to you too. Thank you for having me. Looking great. Good to see you, doc. You too, buddy. Let me change this around. We were talking about the top plants. So the almost dead thing. Switched over I to joints to make Spartan happy. <laughs> <laughs> I have yeah, to I got, use if this. you smoke, you're going to be happy. <laughs> I have to use this to work on this. Look at the size of this thing. This Holy good lord. Oh, yeah. That's like a mother plant. My dream was like that, but but like another one of the tops on top of it. Imagine like Dude, all the plant that was there times two. All the way too far. Hey, so, dog doctor, can you zoom in on one of the buds or one of the stalks? Um, yeah, so that the one to the right of this, this one. one. Oh no, sorry, probably to your left. Yeah, down the other others other way, other way, other sorry. direction. Yeah. I just is are there some with leaves that are kind of like pointed down? Am I seeing some or is it just the orientation of the okay. For a moment I wasn't sure if I was seeing like yeah, like this. Yeah, I think it's just how the leaves are are curving. It's very pretty, but for a moment I thought it might have been like, um, I didn't know the the color and the the quality is a little bit grainy. I just wanted to save you a hassle in case there was something weird. But you can totally see these buds. Um, you probably would have seen that, anyways. Oh, bugs? No, no bugs. I don't see any for now. Not even trips in here. Looks good. Well, I, I thought it might have been like a like a. Um, I have this room. the ultimates here. Yeah, something like that. Very nice. Here. 
and uh, Swarovski there to help. And uh, they suffered like mid mid middle last uh, week in GML show. One of the lights stopped. I had to change the light, which was a good thing because this one here was already burned. But yeah, I, I guess mm. it's fully recovered. Then no mm -hmm. no burns anymore. It recovered, but it was getting yellow. So, but I, I have no more space. Like I cannot go up and this. Can you <laughs> can you bend it down at all and just sort of move it away or move it away towards the middle uh, of the tent where there is no light? No, not the middle because in the middle I have where they have uh, two the other ones. <laughs> so yeah. what I did is I put it to the side and I put it like this and it is what it is. It, this is way bigger be than it was supposed. You're gonna be fine. Yeah, yeah. I think oh, this yeah, is yeah. the what, this is the epitome of um, a good problem to have. Yeah, 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 yeah I'm complaining, but <laughs> she she came from a smaller plant in here. This is looking great, by the way. Also, yeah. how much water does she drink a day? Yeah, that's nice which, right there. which one? This one or the other? The first one. The first one. Yeah. The, I'm giving them every two days. Each one, uh, six and a half liters. Nice, nice. Over a gallon. Yeah, this is. Uh, oh, let's check your uh, yellow yeah, sticky. Four by four. 25 liters. Yeah. Oh. Sticky card update. Yeah. Will this give uh, CO2 to my plants? Uh, maybe. <laughs> it's like yeah. It. It's okay. kind of a CO2 is heavy, so it's going to stay down there, right? Well, well I, I, I got the air flowing around. It's just oh, going to get exhausted out eventually. I have that going up yeah. there, and I have this side there, so this will make kind of like this. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But, so, you, but uh, how do you control humidity in here? Yeah, by exhausting. Okay, then that's going to suck all the CO two out of there. You're not going to effectively raise the concentration of CO two in that. Okay, tank. okay. Oh, no, it's not there for that. Anyway, it's just uh, I need a place for it. I, I don't even know how much light it does need. But uh... Matthew was asking to see the yellow sticky card. <laughs> yellow sticky card. Yeah, let's take a look. Let's, let's get a sticky card. He's salivating on his keyboard right now. Exactly. <laughs> I have a fungus net. Uh -huh. I have dusts. Not bad. Not the worst I've seen. Two, yeah. three, three fungus nets over here. What grade does he Check. get, Matthew? Let I think uh, I have one, two, three in this one. And one, two. That's what I have. I say, uh, I say low threat. That's good. That's a good place to be. The blue one. That that's uh, a, a bit of the leaf. I feel like it's a pass fail kind of thing with this, and I, I'd say that's a pass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. For now, not complaining on the pest department. Yeah, it looks starts. really nice. Huh? Oh, you're crushing it's it, man. Looking uh, happy, a lot yeah. of people would be very happy to have those uh, two plants that you just showed off, or those two tents. Very thick, healthy, yeah. robust. Well done. Thank you very much. This one, I'm really in love with this one. Uh, I think I will what, have to... What, 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 sorry? What plant is that? Yeah, what is this? This, this it's the Amsterdam Amnesia at Dutch Passion. Say that again? It's, photo, it's photoperiodic, yeah, yeah. It's a photoperiodic. Yeah. Amsterdam Amnesia. Amnesia. Uh, photoperiod, yeah. And uh, I have one, two, three, four more days for her to go. And after I, I four or five maximum, I have to harvest because then I have eight, ten, ten days until the contest is finished. So I have to have her finished. So 
but I have plans of her. I will run her for for over 70 days. That's what she's going to do. Still. Okay, nice. Very dense. It's, Indeed. I don't know, but it's a really, really <laughs> okay call as well. Did Amnesia get overgrown at all where you were at? Because I know I was listening to a thing about Old Timer One the other day uh, from when he passed as a tribute to him. It was uh, Golden Syrup and Chilbert. Shout out to Chilbert UK, who's in the chat tonight. They're uh, talking about a lot of the strains over there. And Amnesia was one that kind of got run so much, as well as like Stardog and the UK Cheese that were so popular that they just kind of like got sort of blue dreamified, I'd say, where they were so popular they became unpopular. Because uh, it was all people had, and it, the quality ended up going down. So yes, sir. I'm really have high expectations for this one because it was something I used to love back in like end of the 90s, maybe. I think maybe early 2000s. I don't know when it, the the hype came for it. But it was the late 90s. Yeah, it was something like that. I think, and uh, I remember that sweetness, gassy. Tastes, I think, with um, keep me going and going and going. I would party with this. I would work with this. I would do, not work because I would not work at that time. But it would just keep me going. Get chores uh, done is what I interpreted that to mean. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. And she smells amazing, but it's it's, it's 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 I don't like touching so much, but I don't know. It's almost like gasoline. Yeah, I mean that's definitely uh, attractive. It's, dude, it's crazy. It's it's really, it's really tender. Just I don't know if you noticed what I did. I, I pretty much did this to it, and it's just very uh, very turpinous, right? Very like you yes. know, um, almost yes. like there's literally like a haze, right? A, a, a well, not a miasma. That would be a bad thing, but you know, like a fog, almost a mist, you know um kind of like all of those volatile i do like that feeling a lot that's one of the things i like about you know even other plants uh when you can just like you know like mints and things like that where you just you just blow past them you rub on them and they're just like everywhere you know i like that that perfect definitely i don't know if you saw it on instagram that blonde that brown beautiful plants that I posted a few days ago. And actually, I'm still posting her birds, dude. This is one single plant. This was the one with all the bugs and all the problems and all the deficits and everything. And What's I'm your yield like? For this one, I have no, normally, I'm going close to two grams of watts. Mm. 198, 190. On here, on, on here, on the outdoors. I cannot say the average because some autos are giving me numbers 200 and something grams. Other autos are giving me close to 100. So I don't know if the, it's, I don't control them. In here, as long as I can fill up the spaces, it goes about yeah, close to two grams, uh, two, two, two grams of watts. I'm pretty happy actually with the two small spaces. Yeah, I think that's uh, per square foot or per square meter. This is uh, it's not a even a square. Three, right? This it's zero point nine. It's a three by three. I think so. It's a zero point nine of a zero point nine. It's a little bit less than a meter. Okay. 
This one is a 1.2, 1.2, which is a four by four, I think. Right. In here, I have two, uh, no, 200 watts. Yes, vibro spectrum. 200 watts in that tent, total? Yes, sir, total. Okay. And uh, That's a pretty good plant for 200 watts. I mean, and a really good sort of return. You could probably put more light on them. Do you know what you're running at PPFD or what you expect to be running in terms of PPFD through there? Uh, I can check my notes actually uh, and see what they are, but uh, they are going. What in light here. is that? Is that a Viper Spectra or what is Yes, that? sir. It's a Viper Spectra. In, okay. in, this, in here, I'm getting really high numbers like uh, a thousand and something. Center, it goes around 800, 900. Uh -huh. In the 80s, it goes down to 300 here, something like this. Yeah. So, but, but I try not to grow here. There's one that went there, but I try to keep it like this. It's not really so, about where even where the where the colas are. It's just it's the same plant, and it's how much energy it's going to be able to harvest okay. Okay. in total. So yeah, you could put a little bit more light in there. I mean, you're killing it. You're that's a beautiful plant. I'm just and, and Thank you. thinking about the the returns there. You could get probably more returns to square foot or to square meter, but it would come at the cost of the the grams per watt number that that you're dealing with basically but so you would risk 400 watts in such a small place no about 300, 300. generally 300 well distributed watts getting about 2.2 to 2.4 micromoles per per so, joule for um instance, is put this this over over there the marsh hydro that the, the ts yes something yes sir yeah, this yes, is the CS3000. So. It's lower efficiency, but higher power. Um, it's not that much lower than the P-series from 5 Power Spectra. I'd probably run that. Yeah, you'd get more coverage and uh, a little bit more power, a little bit more sort of uh, light out of it. For because a I feel for the 4x4, I mean, I was using that plus the Spider Farmer to get uh, a good coverage. Now I have to use it here i would say this you're gonna get more yield with that other light that's like the 300 but you're not gonna be hitting two grams per watt would be my guess your gram exactly per watt will go down that. but your yield will okay. go up and i've seen yeah. i've okay. literally done your exactly yield that. your yield per square foot will go up but your, okay, yield, your returns to electricity will go down because you're just adding more electricity to drive up your your coverage so you always have to be aware of what you want to optimize to do you want to maximize to you know electricity and have the most efficient grow that way which gives you like a little bit of light and a lot of room um or do you want to maximize your returns to space like grow as much as you can in your three by three or in your four by four the, those wanna, are, are different calculations i want to grow the highest quality turpin profile that i can get with the best taste i don't care so much about the the weight yeah because it's it, everything well, is for me so i value more debt than anything else in the world if i can right. get more weight better of course because but but i wouldn't I, I wouldn't want to compromise the quality over weight ever yeah i think the I main think things you're looking for are distribution and you know the right amount of light and i i think okay. you could get a, a little bit better in a three by three tent than with the 200 watt is that the okay. p2000 this is I was, the... I was in a tent half the size once upon a time yes, and i ran 
I ran so much light, but you can get crazy returns and have it be really terpy, really potent bud. Like my biggest yield ever was my best smoke. So I think that it's a, a misnomer yeah. that it, like it has to be a small cookie type yield to be good smoke when there's some stuff that will return well and you can run a little bit more light and still have it be like, look at any of Brandon Russ's crows. They're not underlit at all. And his shit is terpy as hell, you know? Oh, yeah. so, I, I, I really genetics, believe to get the highest quality, you should be fully lit. I agree. Yeah, genetics, genetics, genetics. If you've had it's good a combination genetics, for you... sure. Yeah. yeah. That's for sure. You want to see Vegas? Not much to see, but please, please, sorry, I interrupt you. These are really babies. This is a so mango. These are autos. So mango blue. She's wow, a plant is suffering from. It looks like a calcium issue. It's calcium. Okay, she's very small. Generally, when we see those way the the first leaves grow in like that, it's it's. I'm not even sure if that's calcium or not. It's deficient on something, but yeah, it, I mean, if that was cocoa, I would be all over calcium deficiency. It's you, soil, and I actually gave it CalMagD today. <laughs> what's that? Uh, it, it's in soil, and I actually water with the CalMag today, but... Uh, okay. But, it might just be I, too much of something. It, it might be that you're, you're providing too much EC for young roots. And that's it, it was the first, issue. first, sorry, it was the first time I gave her anything. Anything. She, she has four days, maybe three days. Is there, is there cocoa in that blend? No, the, uh, there's a little bit of mix. It's cocoa with soil and. Uh... So there is cocoa. Yes, sir. Okay. So it's probably calcium deficiency from, from the cocoa. Okay. This one is a, a day younger, but I think she won't. She's very slow, very, very slow coming up. Yeah. It's a banana purple punch, and I don't like what's coming in. This one is the only one that actually it's coming out okay. It's, oh, uh, don't give up on the short one. I'm not, I don't give up on anything. I have one here that didn't pop, and, and I'm not giving up on, on anything. She's okay. in there. When you filled <laughs> up these pots, Dog Doctor, um, did you, like, yes. compress it at all, like, or just let it no, fill I, its natural way like how how stuffed like is it tight loose it's very it's kind of loose i don't like to to press it too much in the beginning uh, and I, I let it absorb a little bit of water down and then when i put the seeds from the glass of water in this case i use the cotton which i don't like but i don't know what i use but i used uh, i just uh, squeezed water on top and i just put just like a little bit of soil so that they don't have to do anything like okay it looks a little bit muddy yeah like like yeah it looks, yes. it looks wet it doesn't mean the it one, is wet, the one that's on the far back left that kind of had <laughs> i was saying a calcium thing yeah. to me it looks like it might have had like the roots might not be the happiest like maybe they're a little bit too wet or just that mix doesn't seem it, that looks pardon? pretty chunky for a seedling mix like it, i don't know how it's not a silly mix. It's a it's a it's a normal mix. I just I just put a little bit of cocoa in it. Be sure to buffer your cocoa. I'm I'm pretty confident that those symptoms that you're seeing in that plant is from okay. unbuffered cocoa. Do you have some sort of airflow going through there? So it, before go back to that plant, you uh, can give right. it a CalMag <laughs> foliar will help that plant recover from those calcium deficiency issues too. So mix up a little bit of water with some CalMag additive um, 
and it should just be above 6.2 pH. The, the electrical conductivity okay. can be about like 1.5 or so. You don't have to make very much and you can dose it by electrical conductivity because all you're adding okay. is CalMag and spray okay. that with that plant, um, you know, until symptoms improve. But, I, I, you know, you can do it as often as you think of it, basically, to have a plant that's that size. It will definitely help the plant, you know, recover from those symptoms. Just water, plain water with CalMag. Plain water. Yeah, if you have a wetting agent, it helps. So plain water, wetting agent, and CalMag solution until your EC is about 1500 or 1 1.5. Um, verify that your pH is above 6.2 and spray that on your plant. Okay, thank you. Yep. And those are the amnesias waiting. Are those clones or are those? Yeah. No, those are clones, yes. I, I just transplanted them today into this here. These are the from clones from that one that is flowering over there. That I think that's oh, going nice to have backups, especially when it's fire. Oh, man. One thing I learned is always to have backups. Normally, when I don't have backups, they turn out really good, really nice on me. This is one of the things I'm trying to learn on the autoflowers is to enjoy the moments and uh, no regrets living in the moment. <laughs> I will make one suggestion. Please. With the uh, sachets, good use of them, the little, the bags. Sir? Uh, yes. For the predatory mites. Um, you know, good, uh, this is a good application, but in a lot of cases, it's um, recommended that you get closer to the core, closer to the heart of the, the plant. And I see that you've sort of done this here. Mainly the, le the less light, and maybe okay. in this case, it's a little bit less important. Um, so, so but like you the from here to the insides? Yeah, like closer to the trunk of the plants, or in this case, possibly even closer to the leaves, um, kind of like just under the canopy, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'd like to put mine right underneath the first branch that has foliage on it, because they could come right out and go right onto the where the bugs would be. The bugs aren't on the stems, they're on the leaves usually. So yeah, like that's this. where I put it, right there. Yep. This one is building up. Thank you, Matthew. Yeah, no problem. They are here for you. You were the one advising me for this. Thank you. <laughs> You're very welcome. I'm glad that's been helpful. <laughs> very helpful. You all are. So you said that it smelled earlier like diesel, and this is a pretty good article. I don't love everything that Leafly has, but they went through like five strains that smell heavy of gas or fuel and the most common five terpenes are limonene caryophyllene pinene humulene and myrcene found in other strains and you could see the different breakdowns with these little infographics like lots of caryophyllene there's uh, bits of linalool myrcene but big spikes in the limonene and humulene there's also other stuff like, like esters and aldehydes that aren't listed here but it's at least a good start and maybe some of the stuff that you might be smelling on that amnesia so uh good little article uh, for anybody who's curious, it's called Five Cannabis Strains for People Who Love Diesel Terpenes, and it's found on leafly.com. And uh, yeah, I feel like it's a cool little uh, infographic. But with that being said, we're coming up to the uh, 545 hour here on the West Coast. And Spartan Grown's got to take care of his dogs, refill his trays, get some to drink and all that good stuff before he heads on over to the Michigan Bros Grow Show. But any final thoughts and shout outs from you this week, Spartan? Thanks, Jack. Yeah, um, just thanks for having us. Another show. Um, this, I think, is probably one of our more consistent shows. I like 
I like that we don't really miss a show. That's fucking awesome to me. And we've been doing it for so long. So it's always great to hang out with you guys and uh, chat too. Chat's always been great. This was a good show. We kind of celebrated chat, you know, just answering the questions. It's one of my favorite shows like that to do that. So thanks everybody for that. And remember, if you're getting the pirate bugs, they work great. They're awesome, but use them in veg only. Don't fucking get swindled and use them in flour. <laughs> or, or there could be some that do not have the diapause behavior. Some right, maybe there's a specific species or something that yeah performs in flower that we haven't heard of yet. But um, yeah, other than that, keep growing, guys. That's how we win. Girls love. Peace we'll out. See, see y'all next week, man. Peace out, and thank you, buddy. Grow love, Spartan. I was yeah, pleasure. I would say educate yourself on all those beneficial insects because some of the spider mite predators that are um, they 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 have the exact same phenomenon. They're not really um, useful under twelve and twelve. They they do go into that diapause. Yeah, I know that. Um, I mean, it might not have been specifically copper that first did it, but I knew that there were some some people somewhere at some point were able to basically breed out the diapause trait in ah. um, some predatory mites. And, and I think also certain other predatory insects too. So, <laughs> you know, it's, um, it might also be true for some of the Orias. Matthews, is anybody doing any kind of experimentation on GM owing uh, predator mites to be more, you know, predatory? Or, or pesticide resistant? Yeah. Yeah, um, uh, there's a uh, there's a European Union um, initiative called Biocombs or something like that. Uh, I forget what the uh, acronym stood for specifically, but it was a group that they were trying to do a lot of research into biocontrol um, uh, behavior and, and sort of optimize them. Like, for example, for a long time, for similar mites have trouble in tomato crops with really, um, you know, a lot of hair, a lot of trichomes. A lot of the, yeah. Yeah. And not even, it's not just the, the um, glandular trichomes, but also the sort of strigos or sort of stiff, almost like, um, you know, like a beard hair can be sort of like that, you know, a very dense prickly, um, you know, that also degraded their efficacy because it's kind of like they have to spend more energy you know, just going across the landscape, right. well, so to speak. Well, the plant makes that to try and keep the bad bugs off of it, right? Well, but it's omnidirectional. Right. It doesn't, right, right, right. It doesn't make it. But you're right. But you're right. The so beneficials also yeah, have to contend in that space, to, too. Yeah. And that was another thing I learned the hard way, that some of those predatory, beneficial predatory mites can't traverse the trichomes very well at all. Yeah, they're not very, they're not very good at it. Um, and also like ones, yeah. they might be they might not get stuck necessarily but over time it's kind of like um there's this cumulative decline. effect yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know like or the webbing if they get the spider mites get far enough along the webbing can prevent the actual predators from getting, from getting them yeah getting I've in there yeah that. i've witnessed that looking under the microscope myself so yeah it's crazy man and, nature is uh wild it's like a back and forth and one of the things i would recommend personally is if you do ever have it to the point where you have webs is physically removing them uh many different ways of going about it i've seen people vacuum their plant i'm not a big fan of that personally i use like chopsticks yeah. 
and I go around and I pull them off physically. And you could even use like your fingers, if, depending on what stage of the plant is in. But physical removal is with a lot of pests that are that you can see and things like that with webbing uh, uh, can be effective, at least for the start. Yeah. And then releasing or, or spraying, doing your knockdown spray. And then uh, it, depending on whether or not it's going to be you know friendly with whatever you're following up with. But um, sometimes you don't even have to spray. Like my uh, barber, he got <clears throat> spider mites. He just soaked the barbecue skewers with like Lost Coast Plant Therapy. And he, he pulled off all the webbing and then he released a shit ton of, uh, I think it was Californicus or some other uh, predator that did eat spider mites. And they completely wiped out the whole population. And it was just in a small tent and he got way more than he needed, but it was a, uh, it rescued his harvest. It got him yeah, his I, first crop. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put words in Matthew's mouth, but I would think he would suggest scouting before there's even a chance of webbing to occur because you should avoid that. That should be thousand percent. Yes. Yeah. Totally agree. Yeah. The discipline to, or, and I guess the ability in general, the availability to do exactly that is like number one thing. Can't talk about it enough. You know, trying to find the problem before it becomes a big problem. Obviously doing things to keep it from being a problem preventively. Uh, but a lot of it just comes down to showing up and executing even when you're kind of tired and you don't want to, which is tough. I get it. Um, but yeah, it's way less costly for all kinds of things. I just saw somebody for, or not even just for pests, but it is a d dual is crop scouting. They run a lot of tester genetics and new genetics and new seeds, and they've come across a lot of herms. So to avoid them spreading through the garden, they look every three days as their thing in flower, especially in early flower. And uh, you, you could even do it more, but like diligently look, like spreading the plants apart, looking inside. They have a flashlight on their head and they're looking down in there. They have magnifying glasses out. Like it can be one single little pollen sack that throws off a little bit of pollen and you've got X amount of seeds per, you know, gram ounce in the grow. So um, being diligent about that kind of thing can save you from having those pains. And it can also help you identify, oh, I've got spider mites. And instead of waiting for them to have webbing, I'm going to start knocking them down as soon as possible. Uh, maybe you do a spray because you don't have predators on hand. Okay. And then that time that you've knocked them down, by the time the predators get there, maybe uh, enough time has elapsed or, you, you know, sign up on a uh, shameless plug for, and it's not shameless because he's my buddy and he's not the one doing it, but shout out to Zenthanol's Patreon, you know, hit him up. It's like $1 a month. You could get access in that situation. It's really going to be nice to be able to message somebody and be like, Hey, I think this is what I have. Can you confirm? And like, what should I do? And like, how long is long enough? And you know, those types of things are nice to have answered depending on what product that you have available to you as the knockdown, because different States, different countries vary uh, as far as availability and cost and what you're going to feel comfortable using. So consulting with a legit professional who's got like over a decade of experience is <laughs> going to potentially save your grow yep. and uh, make you feel a lot more reassured because I know how people get when they get panicked, they'll try freaking anything. They'll go to the Home Depot, Lowe's, whatever, Walmart, and they'll start spraying stuff that they shouldn't be spraying. That's going to do more damage to their crop than the actual pests would have. And sometimes it might not even be a pest. I've seen many yeah, cases where people are like, best thing is to do it's nothing. beneficial. Yeah. yeah. And, if, and if you do everything, you don't know what works or don't work also. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Let me show you this one clip which speaking of harms that Harms will hide on you, and this is a perfect example. I like showing people when they're, um, or just in general. So it looks normal, 
male, it's all female, but right underneath that leaf, hidden between all that, uh -oh. leaf, that male flower, you see it? Uh -huh. <laughs> there you go. So, and it, yeah, if you weren't, if someone wasn't really looking, it just looks like a regular, it looks all female from there, you know, but. That's mendacious. So easy to make. Something happened to provoke that. It was just genetics. This is like, I have a whole folder. That's what I was telling people. That's why I started making my own seeds. I was finding these and uh, I was finding too many hermaphrodites in the seeds I was buying. So, or actually my buddy was buying most of them, but he was buying them and they were from legit companies and there was a, quite a few herms. So um, yeah. yeah, definitely scouting and keeping a, an eye on, uh, like, yeah, go over your plants with a fine tooth comb. It's a good idea no matter what. <laughs> Even if they are trusted people, trusted genetics, they, it could happen to the best of the best of, um, you know, stable, quote, stable seeds. They could, a herm could pop up out of nowhere. Yeah. And like weird stuff happens with soil, different mixes and even in cocoa, like the hormone levels of the plant can get thrown off. If you start, a lot of people like to introduce new things. They hear about the new hot, whatever, and they want to try, uh, you know, whatever product it is. And it might be just enough to stress your plant into throwing that single nanner and that single nanner. Uh, I've heard that like a thimble full of pollen can contain up to like a million grains. And a thimble is not that much larger yeah. than a yeah. um, pollen sack. You know, you could probably fit like a couple pollen sacks inside of a thimble. But that just goes to show like each grain can make a seed. So you could have a ton of seeds potentially so you really yeah. want to one close, close one attention. real flower with the wind blowing right we'll get a lot of seeds on your crop yeah and we try to set it up so the wind is blowing right in our tents right so like it's the perfect like storm of of shitty yep. uh situations when you do get the herm because the aeration is blowing everything around so it starts hitting a little bit of all the pistol so like you lightly at best have pollinated everything in the room or heavily pollinated everything in the room so it um uh, yeah even like when i try to do a separate pollination in like one grow area the pollen is so it, it drifts you know it flies through the air it's almost invisible to the naked eye like what you can see and what's in the air are two different things and i had Question, carbon filters questions. separation i sprayed water and everything that you're supposed to do but i still had my this was the first time i was making velvet punch seeds i only planned to do like one plant pollinated i ended up plant, pollinating four plants because the uh that's the way the cookie crumbles you got to learn live and learn but uh yeah Paul's crazy you think i can play in here i kind of want to use the small tent to create seeds of my own and start playing and see what works and what doesn't work but i've been afraid because i have the other tents but i was thinking if if i sink it and have nothing in flower for instance mm -hmm. and give like two weeks uh, put them in flower like only a week after collecting the pollen and spray everything will it be okay still spray everything with water i mean but not you i can, would say you would can get away with it it's it's though. difficult though it's difficult mm -hmm. I, I would i would assume that on that crop that you're making seeds the small crop just in your head accept the fact that maybe some of the other plants are gonna get pollinated that run and if that's not okay with you then i wouldn't do it because you mean the other tents no it's so for me large so... likelihood <clears throat> okay Large likelihood of cross contamination because, as professional as you might think you're gonna be with the situation, even the professionals have cross contamination when they set things up properly. Yeah. So even if you go HEPA filter, carbon filter, uh, whatever forced air where it's like yeah, uh, negative it's negative pressure. pressure. Is what I was gonna say, negative pressure in the tank. There's ways to do it, but it's still 
you're, it's not hundred percent guaranteed for sure. Yes, it's a I mean, if any risk unless you literally build out like Medgrower One built out like a chamber, like a wooden isolated <laughs> box that's like a whole separate room. He built a physical room with like rooms within it that have separate layers of security, and I'm sure he still probably has pollen get out to his you know. But you're uh, talking about area. like uh, little seeds here and there, or like big contaminant because little seeds here and there don't mind, and even maybe yeah, I little... create a, a good genetic from these little seeds here and there. It's yeah, to smoke, so I just have to take be... the seeds out. So I would make a really tiny male, the smallest male, like a solo cup male. Don't grow a male That's... in a one gallon pot; it'll grow way too much pollen. Just do solo cup was the idea. <laughs> Yeah, and that'll produce <laughs> enough to pollinate your whole entire place if you're not careful. So even that, you take one branch of that male, let it die or dry off, and then when it's super dry, you can go and and let it shake around in that room that you're trying to pollinate. But um, be as is diligent it, as you can. That's all I'll say. But uh, is it not better to take that dry branch to the other side of the house to the toilet and pollinate it to? Uh, that's a good yeah, bag if you have the option. And close the bag. Yeah, grow the mail. Keep it all Yeah, different area. Different area, and then bring the female. Some people do them outside, like right Smiley. To a different spot. That's the best. Grow the mail in a different area. This, this I cannot do, but I can't yeah. collect the, the 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 dry branch. In another place so that the pollen doesn't go all over right. the place that's that's what i mean that's your best bet you know what else? for sure and do the pollinating in that area that you're collecting it bring if you can oh you're probably not gonna be able to bring the plant actually but um you collect careful. the pollen in an area that's not going to have a lot of wind movement get it you're all set gonna end up with some stray seeds you're going to be able to mitigate it and limit it but you're going to end yeah, up yeah limit it and be careful yeah. like rubbing your arm on the mail or any of your clothing or your hair all that it sticks to it your it's that pond's like is um well i don't know i think um, yeah i know is that it's electronically static almost that it it, it it'll and wear a mask you, when you collect I, the pollen yeah you don't want to inhale oh. that shit in your nose and throw it it's not fun but we're at the we have two minutes left so i'm going to pass it to you dog doctor wow. to give your final thoughts and shout out before we wrap this thing up oh i'm sorry i was the one delaying this i'm sorry and oh, no. uh <laughs> Thank you guys for having me. It's always a pleasure and an honor. Thank you all the panel to the chat. It's really, really cool. You guys and everything, all the knowledge. And even when it's just not knowledge, it's just talking about whatever we're talking about. It's really cool. And I really appreciate it. I am Dog Doctor. You can find me on Instagram or in Grow Diaries as Dog Doctor and Dog Doctor Official. And I would like to fax, fax sorry. Thank you, Aptus Islands, uh, for, for the food and nutrition to my plants. I really think that uh, the reason that uh, I see them so beautiful, it's uh, the nutrition I give them combined with everything else, of course. Thank you all. It was love. Much appreciated. Thank you for coming. Great talking, great questions, and uh, great work always. Thank you for showing off the garden and letting us be critical and, and show you where we think it could possibly improve because a lot of people are really negative to any feedback. You know, they're like, oh, no, no. I'm doing Please. everything perfectly, but I think it's, if you're going to come on, we're going to try our best to help you improve where we think we can. So I'm always thankful oh, for you and uh, Oki, uh, Oil Town Oil, who came on earlier. Uh, thankful for everybody who's shown off the garden on the show uh, tonight and in the past. So thank you guys all. And next up, Dr. MJ. Hey guys, I am Dr. MJ Coco. I uh, enjoyed the show. I, yeah, so I hope everybody has a happy Thanksgiving. You know, it's going to be Thanksgiving before we get to see each other again. So have a wonderful Thanksgiving. I'm thankful for this show. I'm thankful for all the friends that I've met through here and, you know, everybody in the chat and the whole community. Um, so 
grow a love to everybody. Check us out. Um, you know, check out my YouTube channel, Dr. MJ Coco. I'm on Instagram. And of course, my website, CocoForCannabis.com. Um, sign up for our New Year's Grow Challenge. And we're going to start that on New Year's coming up. But um, yeah, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. A lot of people will say happy Thanksgiving. We'll see lots of those posts going around and uh, people getting nice and blazed up and uh, even medicating their turkeys and things like that. And uh, I agree with you, Doc. It's been great just doing the show. I'm thankful for it as well. I'm thankful to have met you in person as well as Matthew and some of the other guys on the panel and look forward to hopefully meeting all of you someday in person and uh, just being able to do this work together. And me and Doc even got to do a little bit of work outside the show uh, in person, which was really cool um, to make that connection. So thankful for all that. And also thankful for uh, Matthew Gates and all of his great IPM knowledge. So Matthew, final thoughts and shout out. Wealth beyond measure, everyone. I hope that you have a great time coming up for the holidays. If you have holidays, if you don't, that's okay. I still hope that you have a good time. And I hope that it has been informative. I really appreciate being able to like have this go between between various people in various situations. It keeps me sharp. I think it hones everyone else too. Um, so you can't dislike that. If you'd like to do more of that kind of thing for yourself, you can find me at my website, zenthanol.com. You can also check me out on my social media at SyncAngel on Twitter and also on Instagram. And again, if you're very interested, you can also check me out on my Patreon, which I dropped a link in the chat. And if you're, and you can just subscribe for $1 a month and you can get into my Discord. We actually recently had a bunch of people um, you know, asking questions that if they had done the wrong thing, even at a cultivation facility, it would have been pretty costly. So it was definitely a cost benefit move for them. So anyways, I just want to make sure people have the safest plant growing experience possible, no matter what. I greatly appreciate that. And I also liked that post that you put up where it was like, you know, talking about percentages that can be lost. And at a certain point, it could be a total loss. It's like 10% a week or something, you know, like that really puts in perspective how important IPM is staying on top of it hidden dirtily. So uh, very thankful that you're able to share that information and get to the people. Look at that. We got some 50 strains of green over there with the American one. Cheers to you, Tao. And uh, you're last and certainly not least, but I'll do a little spotlight there for people to see because normally you're not on camera. There you go. I knew I was coming up, so I wanted to uh, get ready. And uh, I've been kind of lame on the shout outs. I want to shout out Jack Greenstalk for being a, a extension. Uh, yeah, I'm, I can't get the word, but the great host that he is. And shout out his book, 50 Strains of Green. There's plenty of pictures and it's just a really good book. And everyone should get themselves a copy and then prepare themselves for the 50 Strains of Purple, which is coming up. And um yeah, shout out to everyone on the panel, to Dog Doctor Official, to Oil Town Oil, and everyone in chat. It's always good hanging out, talking. This one went really by quick, and I had a great time. So shout out to everyone. And yeah, every week I'm going to get a shout out to someone that deserves it that I've been uh, lacking on. So thank you, Jack, for uh, all the work you do. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, trying my best to finish up 50 strands of purple it's really really information packed and doing the best i can that's the first edition the american ones got i uh shout out to ancient soul grown on instagram he hit me up because he was a purchaser of the first edition and he's like hey man i do formatting and i'd love to help you out with the book so the second edition those photos are even like they fill out the page even better and a little bit more space tightly together and that's how 50 strands of purple will be and stuff moving forward so thankful for him and thankful for sequence underscore mi who is uh, one of the hosts of the michigan bros grow show who helped me out with the cover 
he designed the cover and uh, made it so that it wraps all the way around. It's like a perfect cover. So really cool stuff. He worked in the publishing industry for a little while, I guess. So he knows about that kind of thing. And it's really cool that the uh, community can come together and uh, support each other on that type of stuff. So I'm thankful for everybody who's uh, made it possible and looking forward to dropping the next book, hopefully by the end of the year. And uh, if you want to find me or my information, I'm at Jack Greenstock on Cannabis, which we didn't talk about this week. Uh, the cannabis social media is like the uh, thing that I mentioned at the top with the social club coming back online. But um, you could also find me Jack underscore Greenstock on Twitter and Jack Greenstock 47 at gmail.com if you'd like to email me off of social media. And uh, like Tao said, if you want to copy of the book, just go to 50 strains, S-T-R-A-I-N-S dot com. If you'd like a copy of 50 strains of green and 50 strains of purple will be coming soon. So thank you all so much for coming. Uh, and I really look forward to seeing you next week with some science talk. Grow love, everybody. Grow love, everybody. Thank you.